This podcast is part of the National Archives Voices of the Armistice campaign, commemorating 90 years since the end of the First World War. Hear more voices at nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash armistice, part five of five. My name is William Spencer. I'm the Principal Military Specialist at the National Archives at Kew. WO95-1495, the Unit War Diary of the 1st Battalion, the Hampshire Regiment. Some 11,000 unit war diaries for regiments who saw service in the First World War have been digitised and placed onto the Documents Online section of the National Archives website. The unit war diaries in WO95 were compiled in accordance with legislation created before the First World War. Field Service Regulations Part 2 of 1909 laid down the fact that individual units should keep a day-to-day account of their activities in the form of a diary. The diaries were to be used to record those activities as a source of information for any official historian and for learning processes at any time at a later date. May the 1st, 1915. Fairly heavy artillery fire. Trenches have been much improved. May the 2nd. Weather colder and wind. Germans attacked 10th Battalion on our left. Heavy shelling. Attack expected. Two companies, Royal Fusiliers, sent up at dusk and occupied a line in close support. Casualties. Killed, 12 other ranks. Wounded, 18 other ranks. May the 3rd. Tremendous shelling from 5am all day long. Reports from all along our front of enemy reinforcing his trenches. At 3pm, order received to withdraw through new line after dark. About 3.15pm, enemy delivered first attack on buffs left in small wood. We assisted to drive this back. On further heavy shelling in wood, remainder of buffs withdrew to support trenches and abandoned wood. After still more shelling, an attack launched against our line about 6.30pm. Gas apparatus placed in position by enemy, but not used. Attack easily driven back. No further attacks. 10.30pm, first half of battalion withdrew, followed by other half at midnight. Retirement successfully carried out, and battalion concentrating at Wiltshire, about 2am, marched to Elverdinger, raining hard, billeted in a field near a French battery. Shelled out about 9am and moved to the chateau. Casualties, killed Captain Twining and eight other ranks. Wounded, 17 other ranks. Missing, seven other ranks. July 1st, 1915. Back again in the trenches, which we took over from East Lanks. Quiet day, with about the usual ration of shells. July 3rd. Very hot. The Bosch included a good many gas shells in their evening hate. The companies on the banks of the Easy Canal had to put on their respirators. July 5th. Back in Demi-Repos. Many arrangements being made about the attack on the morrow. After dark, B and D companies moved up into trenches near Hull's farm, west of the canal. July 6th. The bombardment of the German trenches began at 5am and continued furiously till 6am. Every sort of gun taking part. At 6am, 1st Rifle Brigade advanced to German trench, which they gained with little loss. Our guns had pounded them to pieces. Several German prisoners came back past our farms. Our guns continued more or less all day, and several counter-attacks came to nothing. Casualties. Killed, 9 other ranks. Wounded, 25 other ranks. And Lieutenant Bradshaw and Stevens.
July 7th. The Germans prepared more counterattacks, but nothing came of any of them. The enemy now began to get up ammunition and started to pound our trenches. The East Lanks on the right got a good deal of it. July 8th. They continued to bombard our trenches and the Lancashire Fusiliers lost pretty heavily, especially in officers. We were ordered to relieve two companies' Lancashire Fusiliers with two of our companies, so A and D companies went up. The relief was very difficult because of the lack of anyone who could give any information at all. They eventually got in just before dawn. July 9th. About 5.15am, our splendid doc, Captain J.F. Gwynn of the Royal Army Medical Corps, went up to the trench to see what he could do. He spent a long time tending the wounded left by the Lancashire Fusiliers and then bandaged up a rifle brigade bomber who had just blown his hand off. No sooner had he finished and straightened himself than a sniper shot him through the head, killing him instantly. We lost one of the finest and bravest members of the battalion. He was buried in the evening in the brigade cemetery, just behind Talana Farm, south of Bosinger. 1st to 4th of February 1916. Battalion in the trenches. Weather, moderate. Germans, fairly quiet. 5th of February. Relieved in the evening by the 9th Battalion, Royal Irish Fusiliers. All companies were clear of the trenches by about 9pm and marched back to Hedderville. 6th of February. Battalion at Hedderville. Busy getting ready to move the next day. 7th of February. Battalion marched off at 9am. A halt for dinner was made at Rain Cheval, when, of course, it rained. 8th to 18th of February. Battalion at Beauval. The billets, when we first reached them, required some repair, but soon became quite comfortable. After the first three days, training began and companies went out for work into the surrounding country. The weather was so wet after the first few days that all out-of-door training was held up, and all that could be done was lectures in billets. An inter-platoon football league was started, and several matches played off. 19th to 29th of February. Battalion at Biadricor and Oppi. We were the first British troops in these villages and found them comfortable, and the inhabitants even pleased to see us. The new billets were not good, but after a little while were very much improved. We had a mess in Biadricor for all the officers of the three companies quartered there. The first big mess we have had since being kicked out of the chateau at Hedderville in October. Training and football continued as soon as we got settled. On the 25th we had a heavy fall of snow which stopped all outdoor work. The following days until the end of the month were all very bad with continuous snow which in a day or two turned to slush. First to the 10th of June 1916. Battalion billeted in Bertrandcourt engaged on digging assembly trenches for forthcoming operations. At Beausart till 22nd, moved to May 22nd. During the time at May in Beausart, widening assembly trenches. June 26th, A and D companies relieved the first Warwicks in the line northwest of Beaumont Hamel. June 30th, battalion took up its position in its assembly trenches. July 1st, great offensive begins. At 7.30am, the whole line assaulted. The brigade front line consisted of East Lanks and Somersets, and the second line of the Hampshires and Rifle Brigade. We had A Company, half C and B Companies in the front line, half a C Company to look after an enemy trench on right flank, and D Company in reserve. As soon as our troops left their trenches, heavy machine gun fire was brought to bear on them from all directions, and it was impossible even to reach the German front line. Our casualties in officers amounted to 100% and was also very heavy in other ranks. After lying about in shell holes all the day, the men came back to their original front line. 
That night, the remains of the 11th Brigade were relieved by the 10th Brigade and went back to billets in May. 10th of April, 1917. During the night, snow fell sufficiently to leave the ground all white. The enemy was watched very carefully all day. He seemed to be taking guns and transport back, judging by the amount of traffic on the roads. Many small parties of Germans were observed dotted all around the country, and it appeared that the enemy was taking up a line of resistance. Although it snowed intermittently throughout the day, we made further attempts to push forward. The Somersets tried to push out patrols to the Rue Gravelle Road, and a battalion was instructed to keep in touch with connecting patrols. This idea had to be given up owing to the heavy machine gun fire to which our men were subjected as soon as they tried to leave our trenches. About 7pm, small parties of the enemy were observed making towards our lines, and it appeared that a counter-attack was imminent. A barrage was called for, and eventually obtained, and rifle and Lewis gunfire opened on the enemy. For about two hours, the situation was obscure, but matters eventually became normal. During this time, Captain Prendergast was wounded. It appeared that the enemy had made a reconnaissance in force, but finding our line strongly held, retired, leaving many casualties behind. During the night, there were no further incidents. 13th of April. A day without incident, except for fairly heavy shelling during the day to the rear. A lot of enemy gas shells were put over our artillery. All posts were improved during the night. 15th of April. A dull day with a drizzly rain. During the afternoon, B Company made another attempt to bomb up Hudson and Hazard trenches. Our heavies bombarded the enemy's end of the trenches for three and a half hours at 6.30pm. B Company tried to advance, but the enemy was holding Hilly Trench strongly with machine guns and bombers. Furthermore, our artillery had blown the trenches to such an extent that our men had to go over the top and were fired at by machine guns from the flanks. Second Lieutenant James was wounded. After two attempts, it was realised that it was impossible to reach our objective by means of a bombing attack. 18th of April. Very wet day spent in reorganising. 22nd of April. Clean-up and church parade. 23rd of April. Commanding officer inspected companies, headquarters and transport on their parade grounds and read out to them messages of congratulations regarding recent operations. Brigadier General Commanding 11th Brigade. Please thank all ranks of 11th Brigade for the gallant manner in which they had carried out the attack and for their perseverance and steadiness in holding the line under trying conditions during the last seven days. Signed, W. Lampson, Major General. GOC 4th Division. I wish to express to the division, through you, my congratulations and thanks for the good work they have done and the fine spirit they have shown during the operations of the last fortnight. Quite apart from their great success on the first day, when they broke through the fourth German system of trenches, they have held the line for nearly a fortnight without relief, under the worst possible conditions of weather. Their grit and endurance have been worthy of the best traditions of the old army, of which they are still representative. I feel sure that they will continue to show the same fine soldierly spirit whether in fighting or in endurance, wherever they may be. As you are leaving the 17th Corps, I wish you and the division the best of luck and success in the future, and shall always look back with pride and pleasure to the victory we have all shared. Signed, Charles Ferguson, Lieutenant General, Commanding 17th Corps. 2nd of September, 1918, Appendix A. Unnecessary exposure by officers. Orders can be given to men by officers lying down as effectively as if they were standing up. 
A case occurred in which men were lying down in shell holes more or less under cover from machine gun fire. There was no necessity for the officer to walk about, preparatory to leading his men forward. 29th of September, 1918. The battalion will relieve the 1st Battalion Royal Warwickshire Regiment. Total killed, 2. Total wounded, 5. Total gassed, 31. 1st of November, 1918. Captures. No accurate estimate can be made of the number of prisoners captured, but large numbers were sent to the rear. Estimates vary from 250 to 300. Very few of these passed by battalion headquarters, probably on account of the continuous shelling to which that place was subject. From a regimental point of view, the attack was highly successful, and one upon which it can justly be proud. 11th of November, 1918. Left Haspray at 0840. Arrived Kirges at 1415. Lieutenant P.G. Fool joined battalion from 2nd Battalion. Other ranks. Killed, 6. Died of wounds, 3. Wounded, 30. Missing, 1. Gassed, 1. 11th of December, 1918. Two officers and 50 men represented the battalion at a brigade parade for the presentation of medal ribbons. 16th of December, 1918. The battalion marched to billets in Sabor, about six miles east of Valencia. Companies were very scattered, but men are in comfortable billets. 25th of December, 1918. Christmas Day. The commanding officer went round dinners. Food was plentiful and men had a good day. 26th of December, 1918. Regimental football match versus the divisional engineers. We lost 1-0. Officers of the battalion dined together. 4th of January 1919. Captain P. H. Hudson awarded MC in New Year's Honours Gazette. 5th of January 1919. Battalion proceeded to La Louvière by motor lorry. 6th of January 1919. Week chiefly spent in settling into billets. La Louvière is a typical town in the centre of the mining industry. Most of the men are billeted in private houses and are very comfortable. The civilians are very well disposed towards us. There is a battalion officer's mess and a sergeant's mess. Each company has a dining hall and there is a good recreation room. Demobilised during the month. 135 other ranks. 1st of June 1919. Band plays in Royal Park at Brussels amongst great applause from thousands of civilians. 5th of June, 1919. Definitive programme of move home received. We are to entrain on Wednesday the 11th for Antwerp. 8th of June, 1919. Sunday. Very hot. A civilian armistice concert was marred by a thunderstorm and a very heavy deluge of rain. About 8pm, the quartermaster stores were struck by lightning and was almost immediately in a blaze. We managed, however, to salve quite a lot of stores before the village fire brigade and gendarmerie turned up. 16th of June 1919. Entrained for Boulogne at 1800 hours and arrived at Saint-Martin. 20th of June 1919. We embark for England today. Destination, Winchester. This podcast is a recording of extracts taken from records at the National Archives and is a copyright of the Crown. Copyright of the Crown.